Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Jason, it's episode one. Very cool. (laughs) Uh, The great thing about having a presenting sponsor means you and I could do our ad thing right at the beginning. They get no content. They just get you and me and the ads. Definitely the tone you want to set for a show aimed aimed at professional women. Okay, so for anybody who doesn't understand what's happening, my husband used to have a podcast. He and I read the ads together. People seem to enjoy the dynamic. You being on the podcast was the most popular part of my podcast. (laughs) But it was about politics, and all I really wanted to talk about was business. And finally, I have this opportunity, but we had to keep up the you and me dynamic. This show is like where there's a really successful show, and then later you find out that it's a spinoff of a show you never heard of because it wasn't that good. (laughs) So like your really successful spinoff of my show that one day people will be like, hmm, that was a show. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what's happening now. I wish I had an example. (laughs) Support for this show, Professional AF, comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. You choose a template that you love. You customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos with hundreds of intuitive design features. You can tell your story exactly the way that you want. I think it's a positive sign that advertisers look at the show and say, there will be a lot of people listening who need their own websites. I think that speaks highly of your listeners. Oh, these are very, very accomplished listeners. I feel very good about our tribe. Anyway, uh, if you want even more for your website, you can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website, and you can create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com, that's W-I-X dot com slash professional A-F to get 10% off. That's W-I-X dot com. Wix. Hello, and welcome to Professional AF, a podcast in which the most brilliant people help you get better at every skill professional women need to master in order to be successful, or lady skills, if you will. Now, why am I the messenger here? My name is Diana Kander, and most people who know me think I'm a very confident, successful businesswoman. And on the surface, I have this long list of accomplishments, but the truth is, I feel like I'm kind of stuck capable of so much more, and I feel like I'm standing in my own way of making a big impact on the world. This year, I decided to make a list of all those skills that I felt like I wanted to improve. I have huge self-confidence issues. Even though I'm a professional speaker, I get physically ill before every talk. I have trouble making eye contact with people when I'm speaking to them. I struggle with anxiety. So far, I've got 49 items on my list, and I don't think I'm anywhere close to done. The thing is, I know I'm not alone. Having spoken to some of my friends who are also professional women, these topics resonated with them. My guess is that you might have a similar list, but how are we going to get better at these things? Every week, I'm going to speak to a thought leader who's going to help us with something on the list. My hope is that the show makes me stronger, makes me better, and that it can do the exact same thing for you. So let's kick things off. The very first item on my do better list is self-confidence. As I mentioned, I speak professionally on innovation and curiosity, and yet before every single speech for the last four plus years, I've gotten physically ill from nerves. Today's show is for any woman who doesn't feel like her best self before a big presentation, a public appearance, a networking event. My guest today is Jackie Huba, the author of Fiercely You, Be Fabulous and Confident by Thinking Like a Drag Queen. Jackie's going to tell us why drag queens can teach women so much about confidence, the power of creating an alternate persona for business meetings, the nonverbal behaviors that you might not be aware of that are demonstrating your power or lack thereof, the psychological effects that your clothes have on your performance, and what the heck is draggercising and why is it so powerful. Strap in and enjoy the very first installment of Professional AF. 
Today, we're going to be talking about what you can learn about confidence from drag queens. And I think it's really fitting that we're covering this topic in the first episode because I really need help in this department. I don't know if you noticed, Jackie, but it took me like weeks in between emails to you. (laughs) And those weeks were pretty much just filled with inner head trash telling me, who are you to be launching a podcast? Why do you think anybody's going to care or listen? There's already a million podcasts trying to help professional women. You can't carry a show by yourself. You need a co-host. I don't know if any of that sounds familiar to you. Yes, that is imposter syndrome. And I've been studying a lot about that and I suffer from it myself as we all do. And, you know, but here's the thing. I would never have known that because I'm just getting emails from you. Like, yeah, you, you just get the, like I'm every th- three weeks when I work, work at the strength and my husband's like, do it, just hit send, hit the button. And th- that's what you get. Yeah. So on the outside, <laughs> on the outside, I'm like, who's this badass chick that yeah. I kind of know. Uh-huh. And here she is wanting to unleash this podcast about transformation and about breaking through fears. And I'm thinking this is super cool. So yeah. I didn't know any of that. And I wouldn't have known it unless you told me, but well, I, and I feel sad that you were suffering <laughs> with your husband, well with your yeah. husband. I uh, was very moved when I read in your book very early on that you got started on this journey because even though you yourself had experienced a lot of success, lots of books, also a professional speaker, you found yourself at 47 having all this success, but feeling stuck and insecure. And uh, I guess for me, it is becoming physically ill in front of before speeches and not being able to send emails or contact people. But What did that look like for you? How did that manifest itself for you? Yeah, that was such a weird time. And I couldn't believe it was actually happening to me because like you just said, like, I think people on the outside, just like I said to you, I didn't know you felt that way. I think people who looked at me, if they had known that I was just sort of crumbling inside, right? (laughs) like I, first of all, I was just really kind of just bored. I've been doing the same thing over and over again uh, in customer loyalty, reading, you know, writing, doing speeches, all of that consulting. And I, I, I think it was just, I felt stale and then I was by myself. So I didn't have a partner and I had also gotten out of a long relationship. So add that to it. And so I just felt like, what am I doing in the world? What am I doing? Like, there's gotta be something bigger, but I didn't know if I had, like, what was I going to do? I didn't have the confidence. (laughs) So like at that age, you're like, am I going to reinvent myself? Am I going to do something completely different? You hear about people going off and starting a bed and breakfast or like some crazy thing that they did. And I was, I just was stuck. So for months I was just stuck, just stuck, like just doing the same old thing, being really bored, questioning my whole life, not sleeping. Cause I, I, in the middle of the night, I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I would do nothing. (laughs) I was doing nothing. Uh, I think a lot of times the inaction is the result of all the head trash, at least for me, it frequently is. So Let's start with the big question, which is, why are we looking to drag queens for confidence advice? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you why I was looking for drag queens, (laughs) and I didn't know why I was looking. Yeah. I just stumbled upon the show called RuPaul's Drag Race. And for Uh your audience who has never seen RuPaul's Drag Race, if they know who RuPaul is, top drag queen in the world, and the show, which is a reality competition show to name America's next top drag superstar, it really takes you behind the scenes of what it takes for just a person um, in this case, performers who are putting on personas that are bigger and bolder and louder and more fearless than they might be in their real life. And it just hit me like they are building this character out of their mind. Well, why can't I do that? Yeah. Like, why can't I create something that then takes over and allows me to be that person? And through that process, maybe it'll like rub off and right. I, I don't have to put <laughs> wigs and makeup on. And, um, but what is amazing about that transformation is that I started realizing like anyone can do it. These guys are professionals yeah. um, that I saw on the show and that I started going to see them live all over the country and here in Austin. But then as I started to understand what drag is, drag is just about a transformation into a character, usually for the stage. Um, but we do that in our real lives every day. And there's all kinds of science that you've discovered that backs up the physical acts that that they do just to be fabulous drag queens. But if we can apply some of these things to our own lives, they become very, very powerful. Yeah. So I studied them for five years and I had to do drag and create a drag character in order to do the research. And it was kind of like you. We were talking earlier at lunch about like putting yourself in the situation where you're forced to do things. And that's part of the reason why you wanted to do the podcast was to have this laundry list of things you wanted to do. Yes, I have a long list. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I use this idea of getting into drag and creating a character myself. 
I would just tell people it's for research, <laughs> but really I was using it as a cover because yeah. I really wanted to do it. Like I just wanted to be as fearless as who, these queens I saw on the stage and, and in real life yeah. and on the show. And I, I so I used the book as cover. <laughs> I love that. I think that sometimes we have to give ourselves the excuse mm-hmm. of doing what we secretly want and research or a homework assignment. You gave me some homework And as soon as I received your email with the homework, I immediately regretted the entire podcast idea. I was like, why did I have to start with drag queens? Why could I have not started with speed reading? Like, I also want help speed reading. This is a terrible idea. But but saying I have this homework, I'm doing this podcast and going to my neighbor and saying, will you do this with me? It gave me the power that I needed to do something crazy that I would maybe never have done on my own. So... I think that's a really, really powerful reason uh, to help you make action. So I want to go back and talk about this idea of a persona, which is this thing that drag queens create. Can you tell me what is the power of having an alter ego and why it works? Mm -hmm. Here's the funny thing about personas. We all have personas that we create every day and we don't even realize we're doing it. And the reason why we create personas is to deal with a specific situation, right? So at work, we might have this professional persona that acts a certain way, that dresses a certain way. That is a persona. And you could name her if you wanted to. Yeah. Like she would have some name. But with your kids, like there's a completely different persona that you have to put on that might be a little more authoritative or um, more nurturing. It depends, right, on the situation of what that persona is. With your friends, with your husband, with your wife, like whatever, we have these different personas that we create all the time. And so, but if you're an actor or a performer, a lot of those folks will have yet another persona that they create for the stage specifically. And that person is usually way more over the top because you have to be to capture attention of a crowd or an audience. And um, if you talk to psychologists like I did for the book, you know, this is where I learned all this, that we, we already create personas, we're just creating another one. And my whole premise in the book is that you pull out that fearless drag queen persona when you need it. So for a lot of people that I, when I do workshops, right, we, and I'm teaching them how to be a better speaker. I say, when you get on stage, that's not you on stage. That's Lady Trinity or Mm -hmm. that's whatever your alter ego is. And then that person can take critique because they're a super badass. Yeah. And you don't feel it so personal. Like everyone in that audience is critiquing me right now. No, no, no. And, and in the book, we also talk about this idea of called power priming where um, this is the psychological concept of priming your brain with something that allows you to act and feel differently. So if you're about to walk on stage and you say, I'm Lady Trinity, you will walk differently, you will hold yourself differently. Um, It it primes your brain um, and changes your hormonal levels because you're thinking about yourself as a powerful being. And then you act like a powerful being. It it seems like common sense, but it, it truly works. And Lady Trinity is not just a hypothetical name that you keep saying. That is your actual drag persona. And if you go online and search for Lady Trinity, you will find extremely sexy photographs of Lady Trinity not wearing business speaker clothes, but wearing very shiny, very, I don't know. I don't even know what the fabric is. Pleathery, leathery things. But um, it definitely says confidence is what it says. So tell me a little bit about your own experience creating Lady Trinity and and what it was able to do for you. Yeah. And so, again, the greatest part was I had to do this for research. And right, it was right, right. so much fun. <laughs> but it was daunting because you're thinking to yourself, I have a blank canvas. Who was the most powerful being I could create and then inhabit? And so I thought about who are women that I super, I admire for how fabulous they are, how confident they are. And I thought about Trinity from The Matrix and Lady Gaga, who my last book was on Lady Gaga. And I put them together. That's why Lady Trinity. Mm-hmm. And Trinity from The Matrix is just sleek, badass, um, lots of uh, latex and leather and almost like a dominatrix thing, which who knows what the psychological things. Well, I should do some therapy, <laughs> look into why that was what I chose. She's confident. That's all you need but to But I know. mean, I think being in your late 40s, honestly, I think there was something there too. Like I've never felt like a sexy person. I just never have. Even in my 20s, I just... I grew up very blue collar. My dad was a steel worker. My we were very um, middle to lower class, and um, I just was one of these like nerds who got you know studied and got straight A's. I was I just I never my whole life I've just never felt like a sexy person ever, and I've never explored that. And this was weird. Like that's what came out. 
And so that's why I went like the sexy way. Like there are, you know, drag queens who create these characters that are comedy and they're uh-huh. very funny or they're funny looking. Mm-mm. I went pure like, how good can I Super look? hot. <laughs> yeah, like how much, how little can I wear? Yeah. And still knowing that I'm doing this book so I don't want it to be crazy out of, out of the, you know, that I can't show it in a business right? setting. <laughs> <laughs> Although some of these outfits, I don't know if I put in a business setting. Um, but I think that's how that came out. And it has been the... You, when you do this, you really just have to let yourself go and feel it. And I've, it's been the most, I don't even know how to say it. Like I've learned so much about myself in this whole exploration because I just said, if I'm afraid of it, I got to tackle it. If I'm afraid of it, I'll tackle the next thing. And I just pushed every boundary I had of fear because I said, oh, I'm doing it for the book. Yeah. You had the excuse. There's nothing like that feeling of finding just what you're looking for right off the rack. Well, that's basically the feeling that you get every time that you shop at Movement Watches. That's M-V-M-T. No vowels at that company. I mean, they're not spending any extra dollars. No, they're very, very good savers. And the savings is passed on to you. The savings from vowels. (laughs) What they save in vowels, you save in hard cash. Because these watches start at just $95. That's four or $500 less than you would spend on watches like this somewhere else. And they're made solely from consonants. <laughs> I'm wearing mine right now and it is gorgeous. I It's actually my date night watch. I wear it whenever I'm around Jason. This is our date night and, it's, <laughs> and I'm, having, I'm having a lovely time. Uh, actually, what I think is really cool about movement watches is it's like a really nice watch for a person who wants to have a really nice watch, but not have other people look at them and say, oh, they spent a lot of money on a watch. Like, it's a nice watch, but people aren't like, oh, I know I know about you. These guys are truly ground up success story. They understand living on a tight budget, so they make watches for people uh, that they can afford. They've sold over 2 million watches across more than 160 countries, and their collections are always expanding. You can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. Uh, you go to mvmt.com slash Diana. That's D-I-A-N-A. Like the princess. Like the princess, not Diane. People, It doesn't bother her, but it bothers me when people call her Diane. It's Diana, D-I-A-N-A. I really just started a podcast to get that straight. Thank you. <laughs> Movement's launching new styles on their site all the time. Check out their latest at MVMT.com. Go to MVMT, that's movement without the vowels, dot com slash Diana. Join the movement today. Okay, if... I want to create an alter ego or a persona or our listeners do. What is the most important first step? Yeah. I actually have a whole process in the book of how to do that, which is the one I sent to you. Yep. But I think the first thing is to think about the qualities that you wish you had and then start to think about the people or the characters in history or anybody who may inhabit that. And I think that's a great way to start kicking around ideas. Like who would I pattern myself after? If I could think about the most fearless person, it doesn't have to be the same gender as you. It could, it could be an inanimate object on an character that's genderless, whatever. If I could model myself after that character, who are they? And then start describing them. And um, that is how, I think that's where you start. Yeah. Well, that's where I started. So talk about that. And for me, it was actually a surprisingly easy exercise because I told my husband, I was like, oh, I got to create this drag persona. And he's like, yeah, you already have one of those. And I was like, what? And he's like, Charlie Baltimore. And it, it's totally true. There's this movie, A Long Kiss Goodnight, that stars Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. And it was the first movie that I saw that had a strong female protagonist. It was an action movie. And the star was a woman. And last night, actually getting ready for the interview, I was reading about A Long Kiss Goodnight because that's a great excuse to watch it again. And they said that the the theater company actually was thinking about having a man for the lead of, and they considered Sylvester Stallone, which I think is even cooler that that was almost a Sylvester Stallone ro- role, but it ended up going to a woman. And I just thought she was the coolest. She wasn't like a victim, like something happened to her and she had to be a superhero like this lady just was so cool. And she was a mom. And so she had moments where she would like parent a four-year-old child, but really cool parts where she was just kicking everybody's butt. And so since I saw the movie in the 90s, that was my alter ego. And I actually 
my phone number in my phone is Charlie Baltimore. Like that's what it's saved under. So whenever I have an idea or something, I text Charlie Baltimore so that we're constantly texting each other. And she's talking to me and she was always there. Like I always had an idea, but I never embraced it like I did with some of the other steps. But I had everything pretty much done, which is cheating. But also it's interesting that mine is also movie based. Like yours was Trinity, a very, very similar action hero like person. That's an amazing story. Charlie Baltimore. That's an amazing story. <laughs> In fact, uh, as I was doing research, I learned that there's also a, a rapper who's taken on the name Charlie Baltimore. So it's not she's not just my persona. There's somebody who, you know, is on stage under that under that name. That is awesome. So tell me why creating the persona is so important. Like, why is it important to have this identity for you, for me? Because uh, I think, um, like I said, I think the application of it is so helpful where there, when we're, we think about like how to overcome fear, that's when we put on this powerful persona and we are power priming our brain. So what I hope you will do, if you're in this place where you need some confidence, you need yes. a boost of confidence, you become that persona yes. and you, that's, you know, you put it on in the book I talk about, and I want to talk about this later. Like to me, another way to make it really real is to put an entire outfit on mm-hmm. that is around that because there's something that happens when you put on uh, the outfit that helps you. This is why drag queens, they can create these characters because they, and they'll, they, and I've interviewed so many of them and they will talk about like, they start with the makeup and then when they put on the wig, that's when it really starts. And then when they put on the costume and all like five pairs of um, nylons and shapers and all, and they become this other person through the outer uh, coverings. That's when the mindset changes and it's harder to do when you don't do that, but you can totally, you know, become this alter ego in your mind, but putting everything on and then doing something in that is the ultimate test and the ultimate, I think like when you can really feel and call it up is cause it's tactile. It's a you can feel tactile. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tactile because it, you've you had it on. Anytime, almost like an armor. Yeah. Anytime you engage multiple senses, things yeah. become more powerful. Yeah. Almost like a, like a like a super like a superhero, right? Yes. When all of a sudden they go from everyday life into Superman. Yeah. Right? You f- it feel different. Okay. Well, let me. I don't know if this is pushback or what, but is this mentally healthy? <laughs> like, is it is it healthy for me to try to go on stage as Charlie Baltimore, as opposed to me, am I now creating an even bigger difference between who I am as a person and who this person on stage is? Is is this a good thing for people to do? Yeah. And I think it is. And I think sometimes I hear people say, well then, but the whole, isn't it about being authentic? Right. Yes. But on stage you are, you have a different persona. And at work and at meetings. You already have these personas. When you go on stage as Diane, you are creating a persona that is speaker Diane. Yeah, you're already doing it. But this is just a tool in your toolkit, though, to create more confidence if you're dealing with confidence issues. If you're not dealing with confidence issues. No problem. And you know how to put on Speaker <laughs> Diane. Right. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for most people, speaking as, you know, as we all know, is is a fear worse than death. <laughs> um, presenting to your boss, asking for a raise, like all these situations where you're just petrified. We need some tools. Yeah. Any kind of presenting where you're in front of other people and you just need to channel extra strength, you walk into the room as the other person. And this, so I had a speech last week. I was really trying to get in the mindset and do my homework. And it was the first time that I walked on stage as Charlie Baltimore. Like I always think about her and how cool she is, but I've never thought about me as her. And that was, that was a big game changer. Like it, it totally changed how I carried myself, which, you know, I want to, I want to get into, but just how I stood on stage. There's always times when people are doing activities, how I carried myself on stage while they were acting. And I could, I could tell a difference. And I know that what you're able to perceive is just a small part of what's actually happening. So must've been really awesome. That's amazing. (laughs) That's so great to hear. Okay. Well, let's, let's get into the Dressing, because that's step two. You have to dress for power. And you had some really fascinating research in your book. There was this one study that you talked about, about people putting on lab coats versus uh, like a doctor's coat versus a painter's coat. Tell me, tell me about that and what it means. Yeah. So this, it's so interesting because when you study drag queens and 
you realize that this is happening to them, but I didn't know the research behind it, which is, you know, they put on big wigs, big everything to stand out. And that makes them feel more powerful. And the concept that um, psychologists have studied is called enclosed cognition, um, which means that if we put on things that make us feel powerful, we act more powerful, we feel more powerful. So it's a trick on the mind. And some of the studies, there are so many studies on this, but one of the studies was looking at college students and um, who I believe were, uh, I think they were studying to be in the medical profession and they would have different sets of students do tasks, one where they had the white coat on and one where they didn't. And the, the students that had the white coat on did better in the studies. And so study after study, they're showing that, you know, they felt like a doctor already because they had the coat on and they're performing differently when their uniform is on. You know, people start to act differently and be different and do better on these skill tests. And so we, you know, this term dress for success, it's like, mm-hmm. that's, it feels so cliche, but it's truly when you feel powerful, you act differently. You act more powerful. You act, your hormones change. And so this idea we can apply every day because you're not, you're going to put a wig and like big heels <laughs> on and a giant costume every day. So in the book, like I try to talk about tips of like what you could do more practically to create things that give you power by just wearing them. I've had some people who, who, when they hear the concept think, well, I don't want to dress for other people. And that's really actually not what I'm saying. We're really dressing in this way for ourselves to make ourselves feel better. But we, sometimes we, people react to us differently because we are acting differently. We might have our shoulders back. We wear high heels. All of a sudden our posture is different. It's more confident. People might be reacting to that. Um, and one of the things that really hit me personally on this particular tenant in the book was that I, um, accidentally got a stylist. I didn't really need to get a stylist, <laughs> but they have, they're free at Nordstrom and uh-huh. somehow I got one. And this woman changed my life by, um, I just wanted a little bit of help on something I already had. And she was like, Oh my God. Oh, you were like, you're like, which shoes go with which dress that yeah. I own? And she was like, none of this looks good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I literally was like, I don't know how to match shoes with this dress. And she goes, I wouldn't let my grandmother wear those shoes. And she, I remember oh. her, her exact words to me because like my hair stood up on my arm. She goes, you're fiercer than these clothes you brought in. That's amazing. And I just remember thinking no one has ever called me that. Yeah. At least that to my face. And yeah. I never, I've never felt that way. And so when I sort of engaged her, like, well, what would you do differently? Well, what would you say looks fierce? Yeah. <laughs> and then she's bringing in, like, she's like, hold on. And she brings in yeah. all of this stuff. And the moment I put it on, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I am Trinity. Like yeah. at that point, I literally didn't exist, but I felt like such a badass because she brought in, like, how did she know to bring in leather pants? Uh-huh. I would never worn leather pants. I was like laughing at her. <laughs> like, why are you bringing in all of this, like, yeah. really strong, you are like, I'm a shapes. professional. <laughs> you know, I was, I was shopping in anthropology. I'm just yeah. going to say like, no, no shade to anthropology, yeah. but, um, she proceeded to completely reinvent a, an aesthetic for me that we completely redid my entire wardrobe, every single thing. I mean, from earrings to bags, to shoes, to casual, to, um, on stage, all of it. And now I feel like a different person. Yeah. Actually, I feel like the person that I should have been. Because That's now I, I, I feel confident all the time when I walk out, like it just gives me power. And I, I even, I have a ring. I even have a power ring that I wear. That's like this huge lion. Yeah. And when I really need confidence, I will wear that thing. I'm like, <sighs> yeah, I think it's important to have totems, whatever to mm-hmm. help you feel like, or, and it's all part of having those things on you that are that persona. So in the book, you strongly recommend wearing heels mm-hmm. and, and, and that's what drag queens do. So for me, uh, I do not feel powerful in heels. Like that is what I wear when I wear what I think I'm supposed to wear on stage. And that's what people expect. And when I started doing the exercise for me, uh, it was actually uh, army combat boots <laughs> and, and having clothes Charlie Baltimore would have where I could be giving a speech, but ready for some sort of, uh, I don't know, terrorist attack to, t- to go down, you know, like I'm ready for action of any kind on stage. And that made me feel much more powerful to be both comfortable and delivering the content that, that I wanted, you know, it, it's finding that thing that for you makes you feel fierce. Yes. And, and that, 
Yeah. And that is the case. Sorry to interrupt, but um, to find that thing for you. Yes. And for so many people, that's different things. Like I said, I mentioned in the book, there's people who literally have power panties. Like they have those <laughs> special underwear yeah. that just makes them feel like if I have this underwear on, like I can take on the world. Yes. And that does not work for me. Yeah. <laughs> but for some people, like that's their thing. And so it's finding whatever that thing is. I think people should go when they try on clothes, they shouldn't say, does this look good on me? I think they should be asking, does this make me feel fierce? I feel like that's a much better question because you're not trying to make it look good for other people. You're finding these clothes and these these articles for you to make yourself feel good. And that's when you can be your best self. Yeah. That's and cool. and maybe get a stylist. <laughs> get a professional fierce <laughs> For those opinion. of us who are, you know, challenged <laughs> on the style side, a, uh, a stylist is always good. Okay. So the third step is to start using power posing and physicality to start instilling confidence. This was the other piece of homework that you gave me, but tell me about power posing and physicality and how it impacts our confidence levels. Yeah. And so thinking about drag queens and studying them and looking at how they use physicality, because the moment that they walk out to get to that stage they are having to captivate attention, right? And so they use their bodies in ways that exude power. So it isn't just the wigs and the makeup, and yes, they're feeling it, they're feeling their persona, but they use physicality and how they move around and they command attention. And so I was so um, intrigued by like how they do this. And then there's been all this study about power posing with Ann Cuddy and a number of other psychologists who are studying this idea that if we use expansive body positions, they give us power. And I'm sort of putting those two things together saying that's why this works. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, there's been all this research to show that if you use expansive body positions, right? So if you're standing like in a wonder woman pose or with your arms straight up in the air, yeah. yeah, Or if you're sitting and you sort of spread out, right. And you're not, um, I know the listeners can't hear this, but like if you cross your legs and cross your arms, (laughs) like that is a sort of minimalist position and it puts you a a little bit of a powerless position, like in a defensive position, right? That doesn't make you feel confident versus like owning the space around you makes you feel more confident. And there's all this research about how that changes your hormonal levels and changes uh, how you feel. And so, yeah, I just kind of realized that this is something we all need, especially as women that we need to focus on. And then there's this great research behind it. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. I have this theory, actually, that everyone who listens to podcasts is doing a ton of hiring. A lot of people who listen to this podcast for sure are hiring. It would mean so much if when you placed ads on ZipRecruiter, you could use our code because we get credit. I mean, that's how this show stays on the air. I think we should give them the code. Okay. (laughs) ZipRecruiter is so effective. First, before I give you the code, you should know that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That's like no time. It's like negative time. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Diana. I like the ring of that. Mm, Yes. You want to tell me how to spell your name again? D-I-A-N-A. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Diana. ZipRecruiter.com. It's just easy to remember. If you're there, Diana. And- can I just try this? I mean, like, I'm just spitballing here, but I think ZipRecruiter, feel free to use this, the tagline, the smartest way to hire. Oh, that's genius. They should really take that up. Diana, here's what I know so far about your listeners. Okay. They build websites. <laughs> they hire people. They need to know what time it is. And they send packages. <laughs> these are movers and shakers. These, these people are getting it done. <laughs> this is what's like driving the economy. It's the people listening to the show. No yeah. question. The, the whole, this is called, it should be called professional GDP. <laughs> I think about that. With SendPro Online, it's easy to save time and money no matter what you're sending. From packages to overnights and letters, they're going to give you the lowest price. You're going to easily compare U.S. Postal Service, UPS, and FedEx rates all in one online tool. 
Also, you get access to special USPS savings for letters and priority mail shipping. You can print shipping labels and stamps from your own printer. You can track all of your shipments. You can get email notifications when they've arrived. You never have to leave your house. It's perfect. <laughs> SendPro Online is only $14.99 a month. And for being a professional AF listener, you can get a free 30-day trial to get started, plus a free 10-pound scale to help you accurately weigh your packages. Visit pb.com professional to access this special offer. That's pb.com professional to get your free month and your 10-pound scale. Experience the better way to ship with a free trial of SendPro Online. I have done the X right before a speech, and, and they say it works even if you think about doing it. But you took this to like a whole new level of things to do with your body and to take up space. So tell everybody the homework that I have and maybe they have if they're feeling up to it. Yes. This is an exercise that came about because I stumbled into doing this as preparation for performing in drag. In drag, you have to know your words to be able to lip sync. And so as I was walking my dog around Austin, Texas, in my headphones, I kept listening to my drag song on repeat over and over and over and over. And for some weird reason, I I started acting it out, the lip sync, as I was walking my dog in this giant circle around the park. And I don't know, I was just feeling it because in drag, I mean, if you're going to be a good lip syncer, you got to feel that. And so I look like an idiot, like walking around Austin. I especially love this song by RuPaul called Looking Good and Feeling Gorgeous. Uh I love that song, even though I never did lip sync it. But it just um, made me feel amazing. And I remember thinking, I have to not care that these people around this park are looking at me like, who is this idiot? Is she drunk? (laughs) Did she have a little toke before she came out of here? Um, And it was was this weird fear, like, I don't have to not care. And maybe this is part of my like my own homework in studying to perform in drag is like not care. And um, in drag, there's this phrase they call feeling the fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I I, like to feel the fantasy, you got to let it go. You just let, you got to be it. You got to live it. You got to, you got to just let yourself feel whatever that is. And so I kind of coined this weird term dragercising because I was getting all this great exercise, Uh but I was sort of doing drag at the same time. And that was my homework for you. And that's my homework in the book is to, put on headphones, feel the fantasy as you are walking or running or whatever it is you're doing outside. Um, and don't care what people think. Yeah. I had a lot of problems with this assignment. I will tell you, it made me feel extremely uncomfortable. I pretty much was like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. I tried doing it in the shower at first and I felt incredibly uncomfortable just in the shower by myself doing it. I was like, this, this is not going to happen. And I was like, oh, but this is the first episode. If I don't do the homework for the first episode, like this is a terrible show and nobody will ever listen. So I called up my uh, next door neighbor, Becky, and I said, Becky, do you want to do a fun, crazy thing and videotape me doing something tomorrow? And she's like, sure. She's up for anything. And so we went out. I almost vomited before I started doing it. Like Becky and I went on an hour long walk before we even did it. I was like, I need I need some time to like gain comfort we walked to like remote parts of our neighborhood until we were back in front of my house. Like that's how long it took. I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do it. And I almost threw up. She's like, you're going to be fine. And then I committed and I did it because I wanted to see what would happen on the other side. I did a whole song. First of all, it was exceptional exercise. I was very winded because there's a lot of body movement and when I was done, Becky was like, can I go? Will you record, will you record me doing it? She's like, from the back only. Don't tell who I, people who I am. And she was fabulous. She was unbelievable. And she hadn't been prepping for it for the whole week. But I started thinking, I dropped Becky off back at her house. I went to go pick up my son. And I was thinking about how I felt at that moment. And I felt the exact same way that I feel after I step off a stage, which was really surprising to me. I feel after I give a presentation, that's, that's when I feel the most powerful and the most confidence. And... That's how I felt after doing this silly thing on the street, and I didn't want to stop. I put my headphones back in, and I did it through my son's school. My husband was like, you did it at the school. People saw you doing it at the school. I was like, yeah, it was awesome. And I just walked like a completely different person. And is that that fear that you had before you did it, was it, that, was it the fear of what people will think? 
What was what was the fear? Just looking stupid. You know, like I, I do it all the time. I start jamming in my car and somebody pulls up and I'm super embarrassed that they've seen me and they, they saw me having a good time. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm afraid of taking up a lot of space. I'm afraid of people looking. And part of my dragger size routine, my neighbor came out and was like getting some out of the back of his car and I didn't stop. I like I committed to it. And it was just a very powerful feeling. Like I was where the fun was and that's where other people wanted to be, including Becky. Isn't that funny? And that is the same reaction I would often get when I would do it too. People see the fun and want to join in the fun. And I would get nods and I would get like thumbs up and I would get like, yeah, woo, you know, reaction back because everyone wants to be where the fun is. Yeah. Uh, and so I love that you did it. I love that you worked oh through your I'm fear. I'm sweating right now just <laughs> thinking about it. Like it, it, it was so scary, but I'm, I'm so happy I did it. And now like I want to do it all the time, which is, which is crazy. And it's so fun, though. Yes, I mean, it's amazing. A, I have a whole playlist, actually, that I put together. <laughs> I can't remember if I sent it to you, but I have a playlist for people who on Spotify that yes. they can drag or size too. And it's all upbeat, super fun songs. I highly recommend it. We'll put it in the show notes for yeah. people to check out and, and do their own drag or sizing. And you highly encourage people to drag or size and post their videos or photographs yeah. or whatever. I think you should go with a friend because you have an excuse. Like we talked about having excuses to do something fun. And you should record it and you should tag me and Jackie on Twitter and Instagram and let us see yours. And I'll put mine up and I'll put Becky's up if she gives me permission. And That's awesome. And one quick tip for folks, maybe to get through the fear, it's okay. Wear sunglasses. Yeah. There's actually <laughs> studies that show that if you put sunglasses on, you feel a little bit more, more anonymous. I definitely did that and it definitely helped. Yeah. So go ahead and do that, guys. That would be great. So one fun fact about Becky is it turns out she also has a persona that she's had for a long time. And hers is this French woman named Lola who is in search of her mother. And Becky has actually had, she has a website called Travels with Lola. And she took groups on trips to Paris where she she goes as Lola and she takes people to different coffee shops in Paris where they look for her mother, Lola's Mom. But it's fictional. Yeah, it's 100% fictional. And she always said, like, this can't be your first trip to Paris and it can't be your last because what we're going to do is go from cafe to cafe. But this is like a super fun thing. Becky's the best. That she did that allowed her to have, like, a really powerful, confident experience. That I've never heard anything like that. <laughs> and that is amazing. And I feel like I should be put in contact with this lady. She's she's <laughs> amazing. All right. So I just want to go back to the science of all of this. There's a whole section in the book about the psychology of nonverbal behaviors and how what I thought was really interesting was when researchers studied people who demonstrated perceived power, who looked powerful in a room, it was people who held eye contact while they were talking were powerful, but not holding eye contact when they're not talking. And that to me was a big wake up call because I think I do the opposite. I have a lot of trouble holding eye contact, including when I'm speaking with people because confidence issues. And I'm really good at doing it when other people are talking. And apparently that is the opposite of how you project power in a room. So I don't know if you've like put this into practice or it has affected you in your life. T tell me more about this. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, doing drag, actually performing it, which is something that I was petrified to do, proved to me that this was real because I did not know about this research either. Like I've learned so much by having to research these psychological principles that I had never had, had even heard of before. So this idea of like maintaining eye contact, I mean, it makes sense when you hear it, but yet there's lots of studies that prove it. But, um, Drag queens, their sole, as I said before, their sole number one thing is to capture your attention. And so to maintain eye contact with every person that they are, you know, a lot of the queens are performing in small clubs. I mean, the people are right in front of them. Like you are looking right at every single person, like right into them because that, that makes, makes me so uncomfortable. What are you doing right now? <laughs> I'm looking right in your face, but that makes for a very engaging performance because yeah. the audience wants to feel like it's, you're not just there to, you know, as a twirling dervish dancing around, but that you're making contact with this mythical creature as a, someone who's in the audience because they are a mythical creature. Mm -hmm. like they're just this strange being. And so to have that icon, to hold that eye contact is so what they have to do. And so I, and I had to do that when I was performing because I, I felt that from the Queens, the best ones were the ones that could capture my attention like that, but it is really hard. 
It is really hard, but because you're forced to hold someone's attention and be worthy of that attention. And I think so many times as even as women, I think holding that attention and getting attention. I mean, we are so used to as women blending in. Yeah. We don't want to stand out because we get unwanted attention. I mean, there's so many negative aspects of whatever we do, whether it's what we wear or the way we act and we get catcalled or we get made fun of for being a bitch or bossy. I mean, we try to blend in. This is the opposite of that. That was super fascinating to me. And one other thing that I really loved from this section of the book is about walking. Now, I read this quote. I have to read it. There was a drag star who talked about when she walked. She said, when I walk, I walk with purpose. In my head, I imagine that there is fire burning behind me or the ground is breaking underneath my feet. And that is not how I walk. When I walk, I'm like, don't fall down. Don't trip in this airport. That's like usually what I'm thinking about. I would love to walk like that. You know, just the image of it, it makes you carry yourself in a completely different way. And that was, by the way, that quote was from Miss Fame, Uh who is one of the most amazing drag queen. She's also a supermodel. Like she's a drag queen supermodel. So she is very much about presence Uh and about owning her presence. And it's that thing I mentioned about living, uh, feeling the fantasy. Yeah. Like she, when she's in the Miss Fame character, that's how she feels. She feels that she is on this earth to inspire with her beauty. And that is a lot of her presence. And I think like these specific tactics that we're all talking about is perfect for networking events. If you are someone who has anxiety about entering a room, specifically networking events for business, I think that's crippling for a lot of people. Like, just like, I don't know anyone and how do I have the confidence? And I think like having your alter ego and then entering and walking very confidently through the room and thinking about yourself as this persona and looking people in the eye um, is super helpful. That's just nerve wracking. Just hearing you say, (laughs) what about people who are like nervous about the attention? Like once you started getting attention, I'm sure that feels very differently. Like it's scary to receive it. Do you have any advice? Um, that is a great question. I think a lot of it is um, practice at at receiving it, um, wherever that is. Like, I think it's so, it's so cliche to say, but I swear to God, people should go to Toastmasters. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Because this is like a weekly or biweekly thing where you get up for even two minutes and all eyes are on you. And it's very small snippets of time. And you just get up and talk about whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but you're holding everyone's attention. All eyes are on you. And just you have you. the more that you do it, the more that you're comfortable, just like you in speaking. I'm yes. sure that same for me when I was becoming a speaker, it's you just have to keep doing it and you have to keep owning it. And that's why this foray into drag uh, is so amazing because you're purposely everything you're doing, your sole goal, as I said, is to receive attention and own it and stand in it. And it just takes practice. But it is so weird. There's this great uh, Zen saying that if you don't think you have 10 minutes to meditate, you should meditate for 20 minutes. That's what your body needs. And I feel that way about attention. And that's how you took this challenge. So you were nervous about having attention. So you signed up for a burlesque class and you were like, I'm not just going to have people look at me in drag. I'm going to have people look at me with no drag, with nothing, with tassels on Tell me about how much that helped get through that barrier. You know, like if you're nervous about something, you double down on the thing that you're nervous about. What did that do for you? Yeah, the reason why I did the the first reason why I did that burlesque class as part of my it, training was like, first of all, there's no drag school. There's no drag school 101. <laughs> there's no drag school for girls. <laughs> so like I had a drag mentor who kind of helped me learn the makeup and stuff. But it was um, that whole performance value of standing and and owning that attention, I didn't know what else to do. And so someone said to me, you should try burlesque because that's the ultimate. Uh, and the six week burlesque class that I signed up for before I did any performing in, in drag was the best boot camp I could ever do. Cause as you said, it's really stripping it down. Like drag queens are building it up, right? That they're putting on artifice that draws the attention as a 47 year old woman with like, you know, body issues uh-huh. and everyone in this class is in their twenties. Uh-huh. And so I just even walk in, I'm like, Oh my God we're all going to take our clothes off and I, <laughs> I got to deal with this, uh, was it, I wanted to quit after the first class. Yes. I literally remember being in my car and recording, um, myself talking about talk, trying to talk myself 
of, out of not quitting because I thought maybe I use it for the book because this is ridiculous. Like uh-huh. I, I'm writing a book about confidence in drag queens and I can't even make it through the first class. Like I was like, I'm going to quit. I can't, I can't even do it. And somehow I didn't quit because I kept saying, I came up with this mantra called what would a drag queen do? Uh-huh. And I remember saying it to myself over and over again. And so I wanted to quit. And I said, what would a drag queen do? You're studying to be a drag queen. What would she do? She would not quit. Are you kidding me? This is just, this is a small little class with eight people. You can't get through this. Come on. And so I used that to get through it, but stripping down. Um, and as I said, I've never felt like a sexy person. Mm-hmm. Well, this class is about the art of the striptease. Right. It is about <laughs> seducing your audience and not even just seducing your audience, seducing your audience by taking you know, yeah, you <laughs> and taking all your clothes off. <laughs> and so, um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done except for my Ted talk. It was the, one of the hardest things I've ever done was that burlesque class and getting through six weeks. And the ending of that class was a performance for the class. And how many people showed up to the last class there? We started with 10, only three showed up at the end. And you were one of the three. Yeah. And my instructor said, um, to us at the end, she said, this happens every time, every single time I do this class, because it's one thing to go through the class, but it's another thing to perform in front of your classmates, a, a whole entire thing, right? Yeah. By yourself, which we had never done. Uh-huh. We had all, all the exercises we had done as a group, but now again, all eyes. And stupid me, I brought in a videographer because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I might need to capture this for some reason. And so now I'm doing it with three classmates, the instructor and a male videographer. Uh, I've never watched the tape of that final performance, but I did it. And you have it. I have it. It's there. Yes. And I got through it. Well, I think that's one of the really powerful points in the book, the power of just showing up. And even when you think that you can't, I was very nervous about this, this whole podcast thing. And I thought if I just book the plane ticket to come see you, then I'll have to do it. And that's what you did. You just showed up the second time. So what did you say to yourself to be like, it's gotta be besides what would a drag queen do beside like to get yourself to the second one and the third one and the final performance. Yeah. Um, there's gotta be, I I'm thinking that there might be some kind of a reason. Like we talked about at the beginning, it's research for the book. Like, was there anything like that where you said, and like, I'm bringing the videographer because I think I can use this as, as homework. Maybe, maybe that's a key takeaway. Like give yourself those reasons. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I had never really thought about this whole thing. This, this theme you're talking about here, which is giving yourself these things that you have to do in order to give yourself permission. I'd actually never thought about that. I think when I got into this mode of the book was my permission, I don't know, for some reason, I, I just kept thinking I'm in everything I do. I'm just going to keep pushing every boundary. Like how can I push every boundary? And the good part was and I talk about this in the book, this power priming is if you do something outside your comfort zone, like you did this um, dragercising, the next thing that's outside your comfort zone, you could be like, well, shoot, I did dragercising. <laughs> I can do this next thing. And you start to keep piling up or pushing against that, that wall of fear. And you can keep using those past experiences. Every time you push, you can go, but I did that. So, okay, I can do this, right? And you, you just keep using those experiences. And I had to do that because- Like I, you know, I was performing in my local club and then I kept doing all these things like this international drag festival that popped up in Austin. Right. And they were like, I applied. I don't know why. I just thought, well, I got to push myself. So I'll apply. I think that's, I did what you said. I applied. Yeah. I'm just going to apply. I'm just going to apply. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. And I got in, I'm like, oh my God. So now I have to do this. But that comment you made about just showing up is a quote from Derek Barry, who's a good friend of mine now. And he is the top Britney Spears impersonator in the world that I interviewed for the book. And that was what he told me. He learned from Mariah Carey's tour manager because he was talking with her and he was on America's Got Talent. She was one of the producers and he said, thank you for this opportunity. And she said, no, thank yourself. Cause you showed up to this show. Like you applied and you showed up and everything's going to happen. So if you just keep showing up, things are going to happen. But the hardest part is just getting yourself there. Um, and that is a lesson that I learned from him. And so like every time there was an opportunity, I would just present myself to it and just do it. And it, I can't believe, like, I finally ended up doing a TED talk on this, which is like my life dream is to do as speakers and authors, we, we want to do TED talks, TEDx talks. 
And um, I knew it'd be the hardest thing I'd ever done, but thank God I had done all these other things burlesque and I performed at a drag brunch in New York City with a 400 in a 400 person theater with drag queens who were like want to be Broadway stars like I am just this woman I had to keep talking myself through like you're here like just do it and nobody can ever take that away from you now like you have those experiences to give you confidence moving forward to try the the next thing so having done this for a number of years how have you seen your professional career change as a result. Yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, I feel so much more confident. I feel like I can tackle anything. I've had some opportunities um, come up in industries that I knew nothing about, but I didn't feel like, oh, I'm a novice. I just felt like, oh, I'm just going to learn and I will find people to help me and I will learn this whole new thing, this whole new industry that could come from some things I've created, but I didn't feel intimidated by it at all because I, I just was like, I can conquer that and conquer anything. I conquered drag, right? It took me a number of years yeah. <laughs> to push through all the, all those boundaries. Um, but I, it like the psychology really works. I mean, I think the, once you start really start pushing those boundaries of your comfort zone, you could tackle so many more things that you never thought you could. And we're on this planet for a very short amount of time. Like we need to just like find the, find every piece of ourselves that is amazing and vibrant and like, let it out. You got out of your own way. Yeah. And now all these amazing opportunities are presenting themselves to you. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. Well, as you know, my goal was to not get physically ill before a speech. I had a speech last week. I tried all of the priming. I tried the dressing up as Charlie Baltimore would dress up. And and it was her that was there before the speech, sitting the way she would sit, not caring about who else was in the room or how they felt like she was just going to tell these people about curiosity and and innovation. And um, I have to say, it is the first time in over four plus years that I have not become physically ill before the speech. Now, I did get physically ill two hours after, so I guess it was still in there, but I was able to suppress it. Like, it's one small step, you know? Like, it didn't sabotage me immediately prior to the speech. It's still clearly there, and I have work to do. Like, two weeks of priming isn't going to do it, but... I definitely can tell a difference. It is very empowering and I can make so much more eye contact with you now as a result of all of those things that I've been doing because I have a huge problem not being able to look people in the eye when I'm speaking. And this has been so powerful for me. I think we could just end the podcast right here. I feel like I've solved all of my issues and we only need the one episode. Maybe I can come up with with some other ones. But for people who want to get started and who want to create their own persona and have the kinds of experiences that we're talking about is the homework that you sent to me. Do you think that's the best way for them to get started? Yeah. I mean, the book itself is a workbook, as you saw, like at the end of these five, we call them the five keys to fierce, right? And you named all of them. At the end of every chapter, there's homework uh, on how to do the thing that we talked about, right? And so that homework on creating your persona, that's from the book. The homework about dragercising is in the book. Um, and so the that's where I would start is- great. Get the book. It's an um, easy read. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you'll, I don't know what you thought of these insane stories that I love them. They're crazy. The things yeah. I did going on drag cruises, like doing drunk photo shoots at 3 a.m. Like it's just the, I've done the weirdest things. I just the past I can't five believe years. it. Like even now sitting here talking to you, like I can't believe that you went through all those things. But uh, I do know that the photographic evidence is on the internet. So I know that people can check for themselves. Lady Trinity on all the social, (laughs) you can see all of it. I definitely understand the power of creating this persona and having her be with you in moments when you need confidence in your professional life. And for a lot of us, that happens at least once a week, but maybe multiple times a day when we have to walk into meetings or presentations or pitches. And it's, it's just so powerful and reassuring to not be doing it by yourself and to have somebody It was just a ball of confidence right there with you. Jackie, thank you so much for this gift that you have given me and for being the very first guest on this podcast. No, thank you for having me. And thank you for trying these crazy things that I gave you. (laughs) And even though you were a little hesitant, you did it. And I'm I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. All right. Episode one is in the can. Please, please do me a favor and share this episode with a woman that you think could benefit from it. I would love it if you tagged me when you did at Diana Kander, just so I could see the magic unfold. 
If you enjoyed the show and you want to see what I'm working on for next week, I'd love for you to join our Facebook group. It's called Professional AF Podcast Insiders. It's a safe place for you to share what you thought of the show, any questions you might have after the show. I'm going to invite all of our guests to be in the group. And at the very least, I'm going to be there to chat with you and cheer you on. I really want to create a community of women who are helping each other get to the next level in their journey. And I can't wait to hear how your new persona helped you through a presentation or a business meeting or a networking event. And I'm going to post my dragger sizing videos there. Hopefully Becky's going to let me post hers too. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for making it to the end of the show. I feel like I want to give you something extra just for making it this far, just episode one. How about some free professional AF merch? I created a small run of professional AF swag, then a contest on my website, dianacander.com, to give it out to some lucky winners. I've got patches, t-shirts, and some amazing water bottles. Just go to dianacander.com and click on professional AF contest. We're going to pick at least 50 winners. All right, I got to go. This is Diana Kander, and this has been your weekly reminder that curiosity is your superpower. Talk to you soon.